This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, it's Lisa Traeger with another jam-packed episode of Enemies. I'm so excited. To be honest, I'm still riding so high off of the buzz of Lady Gaga. I did go to the concert at Dodger Stadium. It was being filmed, and I hope um, I hope I'm in a crowd shot because I transcended into a different plane. I was on mushrooms. I did run into a lot of people that do know who I am, and um, that was in- an interest. It was interesting. Because it's like, I'm going to embarrass myself. I don't know. Whatever. It was amazing. She's so talented. Her voice, perfect. Her dance moves, the fashion, the artistry, the piano playing, the talking. I mean, everything was incredible and she gave us time to rest so it it would be like three or four songs and then a beautiful video display and some art you know art videos so we could sit for a moment and then again jam-packed like I don't think we could have handled all the songs with no little breaks like I think she's just too powerful and so every few songs we got to like sit and watch a video as she chilled out and it's like she just knew she knew we needed it um I also got extra lucky I was on the last row on the floor seats and I'm short um so that's always a nightmare floor seats unless they could backfire um but they didn't because behind us was the platform for VIPs and wheelchairs and stuff and so when people like behind some people I think didn't show up to the seats next to us so I actually got to like stand on my chair for a long time of it and then we were right by the middle stage like she comes out on the piano and we were right there on that platform so she was like so close to me I couldn't I couldn't even believe it and um it just felt like everyone was a buzz no one could handle themselves when rain on me hit the mushrooms peaked and I truly could not function and then someone tried to talk to me in the bathroom line I was trying to be as nice as possible and if it's you like girl I couldn't handle what I just saw she it's incredible and like she ended the encore was a song I'd never heard before and I was obsessed and it was like a ballad and it was like oh my god she just gives us so much and the looks and you know taking it all in but I want to know what she did after did she go party did she go eat did she lay in her bed did she have some friends over did she just want to watch housewives in bed like it was in LA what did she do she had a few nights off her next show is today I think the 13th yeah um or it's 14th whatever tonight this week in Houston and then Miami and that's all she has left so it's like did she go dancing did she go to a club did she go to a private dinner did was there an after party waiting in someone's home like or she just in an ice bath take her makeup off and like go fuck someone I I just I want to know um but it was lovely and even like we bought the tickets super last minute and in the moment that my friend went on to buy them was the moment that that like it was the it was serendipitous in every fucking way um so that's incredible and then today's guest is fantastic and um you know with all these authors coming on this is kind of thrilling that I get to learn grow my mind like really be a part of something and so Chloe Caldwell Chloe Caldwell she is our guest um she has a book called The Red Zone a love story and that's out right now and that's what I listened to and it's about periods and like 
love and so and relationships and all of that stuff creativity um and being a woman obviously always uh we'll always talk about that so it was like a lovely lovely conversation another person that I didn't know before this podcast and now it's like okay can we hang out can we like do something I want to be around this person um they have other books okay I'll tell you in person women oh my god um, let's get, uh, whatever LGLA and lots of articles all over. I just went on her Instagram and saw a new article from a little bit ago that I actually want to read right now. Um, but I'm eating a Caesar salad kit, um, which is cool. I like, I'm trying to chill out my life since my life is so jam packed and great. Like you can't just always be eating seafood towers, right? You can't always be like getting zonked out of your head. So I'm trying to like balance more, get back to work, get back to eating berries. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I've had some really lovely hangs in LA and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're listening. I'm happy for this guest. I'm on the road, bitches, buy some tour dates, buy some tickets you know i'm gonna be doing stand-up all over dc chicago alabama madison detroit maybe like i'm out there i'm out there i'm i'm living large so come on down um okay i i should start this it's a good one as always i like when you guys write me compliments it seems like it's only one person and i do appreciate you so thank you so much i'm trying to think if there was any like while I had great flights, great flight attendants, delicious mac and cheese on the flight. I honestly like I ended therapy 20 minutes early. I was like, I think I'm good, dude. Like, obviously I have problems, but I'm OK with them at the moment. I'm kind of OK and enjoying um, what life has to offer me. Um, yeah. Getting out of the holds of like sadness. You know what I mean? Getting my eyebrows done. That felt important. I've just been kind of letting them be shitty. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I get to have nice eyebrows if I want. So it felt special. Today is special. Everything is special. I'm about to spark a joint, do some SVU work. You know me um, and get ready to hear everything i don't know enjoy this episode chloe was great um i had a really good time and i think you guys will enjoy it if i i feel like i know you now and you'll like it hello chloe author of the red zone thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me liza it is Lisa, but it's not a big deal. It is spelled wrong. I'm never mad I wasn't at people. Sure. Well, and then sometimes people will go on YouTube and and then people will introduce me by the wrong name too. And it's just like everywhere. But Okay, Lisa. Um, wildly I did get my period moments before this Zoom. I have mine. So. I have mine. I'm kind of in a bad mood. I I am on day two. Day two. Yeah, I loved your book. And oh, thank you. I wasn't sure if I'm not sure if like you hate me or if I'm someone's enemy or what, but I'm just like I'm down for whatever. No, the famous uh, kind of tale of this show is I wanted to get people on that I have conflict with. But surprisingly to me, they don't want to come on. I, and so I, we had to shift. And so we we do talk about like conflict or relationships. I don't know. We kind of see what's up. But I feel like your book covered so many like emotional outbursts during before period times and yeah. how many relationships you might have 
broken apart because of this. And then the Roseanne quote you did, which was like, is PMS actually the only time I'm myself? Is this me? It doesn't diminish my feelings, but I am enraged in this moment, but it still is valid that I'm mad. And so I just liked seeing like that. I mean, I listened to it. I don't really read, but. Oh, cool. That's fun. Yeah. They had asked me to read it and I, I read, I did the audiobook for one of my other books, but I just didn't feel like reading it. I also didn't feel like it, like that the book puts me in such, I put myself in such an unflattering light. I was like, I don't feel like reading it for the audiobook and like going back to that place and rehashing all of those fights. Um, so that's why I didn't read it. I it don't just know seemed... if it's unflattering or if it's just like truthful and people don't honestly ever really say it's like my fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hoping that the book will do. I feel like it's been weird with the book out. Like, I feel like people who struggle from PMS definitely understand the book. And then people who don't are just like not that into it, which, which makes sense. You know, of course that's how it is. But, um, I guess if you don't get PMS, which like lucky you, I guess, <laughs> then like, why would you relate to it or want to read it? I guess. Yeah. But you, know? you can be like PMS is one thing, but if like, the emotional outburst thing could happen through grief yeah, or heartbreak or stress at work or not sleeping. Yeah. Like I think people are lying if they can't relate to your emotions yeah. taking over your better judgment of how you're treating the people around you. Yeah, you're right. It's something that we all keep like that ugliness. We just, we keep it quiet. And then once you do put it out there, other people are like, like, I'll, you know, I'll get emails from people that are like, oh my God, I act this way too. You know, cause it's embarrassing. It's like, it's like the antidote, right? To like being the cool girl or whatever. It's like, oh, I'm not cool. I'm not chill. I freak out over, you know, making nachos the wrong way, like and get into hysterics, whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's the antidote to being the cool chill girl. Yeah, but it's also, you this is like a heavy theme, I think, through the book, too, where we just don't, we're not taught about any of it, and nothing is valid, like, we're really, as youths, like, I, it was wild you mentioned, like, your first period could be brown, and you didn't know, and that happened to me, yeah. I had my period for two full days, oblivious to it all, and I know what a period was, I had sex ed, I'm in sixth grade, and I'm just like, what the and I just ignored it and then it hit me in gym I was like oh my god it's my period and like how wacky is that to just leave a sixth grader to like not we don't know anything they don't tell us they tell no. us very little yeah. and you met like you talked about putting the cart um, the applicator of your tampon in you and being like this sucks we all did that how are we all just putting cardboard applicators inside of ourselves and because we're conditioned to be like okay with pain we're like yep i that i guess this is it i guess i'm just walking around with a cardboard in my puss exactly i still okay i i did a an event at joe's pub recently and it was supposed to be the theme was your biggest secret and i was like Honestly, all of my secrets are out there except for the fact that I don't think I know how to use a tampon correctly. Like, I still don't think I do it correctly. Like, it it always hurts a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's me or what. Like, I just feel like I hate them. I think they're so uncomfortable. I'm just all about period underwear. Um, that's a good one. But, yeah, I, I think the brown thing is really interesting because, yeah, if you're, like, I think about, like, these 10 or 11-year-olds who get it now, even, nine, you know, 9-year-olds getting their period, and, like, you see the brown and you just think that, like, you, 
it's poop or something because especially like the commercials like I don't know how old you are I'm 36 like of our my generation is like there was blue it was blue blood on these pads yeah. like not blood it was blue liquid blue blood <laughs> it was blue liquid and so of course when you see brown in your underwear how would you recognize it as your period you're like where's the blue liquid <laughs> you know yeah and it's you you know and the pms and all of it is used to like put you down in a way and dismiss yeah. you when it's Bullying. actually like this is a valid thing that's happening like why don't we get time off work or like yeah. why can't we just kind of fly off the handle my new thing too i've been saying like sometimes i act like a psycho uh, but then I'm like, all these guys in my life are friends with pure rapists. Like they, they forgive like sexual abusers all the time. They're friends with creeps. I know that they're friends with creeps. So like, yeah, I'm a psycho at dinner. Get over it. That's my new take. That's, that's, I actually haven't thought about it from that angle and I like it, <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, what is PMS? Like, what is it like for you? Like, how does it manifest for you? Never really consistent to be honest. Um, okay. because I knew it was coming though. I'm like ravenous. Like I always like to kind of eat, yeah. but I'm like ravenous. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is enough. Um, and then usually I get really depressed and sad. And I don't know if the busyness of my trip to New York has kept that at bay. Um, but usually mm -hmm. like my tits and back hurt mm -hmm. and I do get really like everyone hates me. Sad, mm -hmm. sad, isolated. Yeah. Do you have something like that you like to eat every time or does it just change every every period there's not a specific thing but probably like fast food stuff you know just like yeah. meat cheese bread vibes yeah it's interesting my friend's daughter just got her period and she i guess she screamed from her room like bring me to get chicken wings like it's always <laughs> about it's always about food and that's what i learned in writing my book too because there's those chapters from people on reddit and everyone's outburst is about like getting the wrong food, like accidentally, like they ordered, you know, a McChicken and they were given a McChicken without mayonnaise or whatever. And like when you have your period, that's enough to set you over the edge because you're like, this is the one thing that like was going to help. And even that's wrong. Did you see the movie Turning Red? Yes, I watched it. Did you yes. like it? I loved it. I thought that that was PMDD like on screen I really thought I was like oh people don't know that this movie is actually about PMDD <laughs> like that's I, I felt like what I turn into is like this huge red kind of monster I know it was like a fluffy panda but yeah I loved that movie I thought they did a really good job and did you watch it with your stepdaughter I did yeah I watched it with my stepdaughter yeah she liked it a lot it's cute and did she get what was up totally yeah she absolutely did um yeah she she really liked it we only watched it once she's like doesn't she's like she's 12 and she likes like really good movies so she's like growing out of a little bit of like those kind of movies mm. um like the pixar or whatever that was movies but she she definitely enjoyed it yeah it's weird well speaking of adolescence you do talk about one of my favorite shows pen 15 in the book so good so good oh yeah i've talked to my stepdaughter about that scene too about like how they used to that that reminds me of my middle school days of just like bullying each other if you got your period and like the way they were throwing the pad around in that one episode well yeah you wrote cruelty of that age and lack of emotional intelligence to go through the feelings of insecurity and inferiority it sucks 
It sucks. Oh my God, sleepovers. Did you have sleepovers? Yeah, I talk a lot. I'm always the last to go to bed, and I, um, I thrive. Yeah, I thrived. I do. I did love sleepovers, but they never really turned dark for me. Maybe because it was small groups. Yeah, I've Mm. had. There was one party where there was spin the bottle, and I didn't want to play. Yeah, I don't really have any like dark sleepover memories. No. Oh God. In the school. I remember having one where, like, because I got my period pretty early. I think I was 11. And I remember having one where, like, you would, like, take your pad off and you would, like, roll it up, you know, and put it toilet paper and, like, throw it away. But I remember, like, one of my friends saying that, like, she could smell it. (laughs) And, like, that will always stick with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But we're all going through. And that was like, that's like the twisted thing of it all. It's like punishing people for the thing that you're going to do and how secretive it always is. I remember one time um, I was performing in Cleveland and my friend Ramon picks me up and we always go to Superior Fa and it's just like the best. I've never had anything better. It's just the delicious. But I had gotten my period bleeding through everything. I was from a flight. And so I asked the server, I was just like, hey, does anyone have period stuff? And he like had a mental breakdown, this like teen, he couldn't handle it. And then he was like whispering to his coworker and she gave it to me in a zipped, um, like makeup bag. And everyone was just so, um, horrified. Like, I don't know, but it's like, I'm bleeding and I need this and it should just be that. But it, these teens were so distraught, (laughs) um, that I asked and it was just so secretive and it was a funny moment. Yeah, and, like, you were just asking for what you literally needed. Well, that's what's weird. It's, like, I trip out on that a lot. Mostly when I have my period is when I start to think about it. When I don't have my period, it seems, everything seems fine. But when I have it, I start to really, like, trip out on the fact, like, oh, if I were bleeding from my elbow, like, this much, I would be in the hospital. Like, (laughs) people would be like, oh, my God, you need to be on bed rest. And, like, because it's so much blood that we lose. And, like, that's something that... I think about a lot too. Like I take now my acupuncturist has me taking these like really disgusting beef liver pills, um, to like replenish some of that blood. And I feel like we're never taught, taught about it in those terms of like, you're losing blood. Blood is a resource like that your body needs, you know? Oh, maybe that's why I want meat. That's why we all want meat. Well, that's it. That's why it's always like, it's always the burger, right? It's always like, I need a cheeseburger. I need a cheeseburger. Like, I remember thinking that in my twenties, I didn't know why, but it was always like, oh, I have my period. I need a burger. And yeah, that's why we should all be eating more red meat. Like if you're bleeding that much, or at least like taking iron or taking beef liver, cause that's a lot of blood. Think about how much blood you're losing compared to someone that doesn't get their period. Yeah. Gallons and gallon, like all those years, especially the people that have been bleeding since they were like nine, right? Like that's a lot of blood. It's crazy. It is really crazy. There is one thing from your book that really horrified me though. Okay. I don't get it. Buying one toilet paper roll at a time. Yeah. That's psycho. What if you need another one? (laughs) What if like something, like, I just don't get why there's not one backup in your heart that you want. Tissues are a backup and paper towels are a backup. Okay. I mean, that's, that's two backups. You're right. I didn't think about that. Moleskin is a backup. No, this is like if you're single though, like this was when, cause like I was long, long, long term single and one role would last a while for me. I guess not if I had my period, then it wouldn't. But like, 
I could make it really far on one roll. I would also, I think, I would also steal toilet paper a lot from, like, bars or restaurants or my parents' houses. So, I, I just, I, at the most, maybe I bought a four-pack once, but it was always one roll of toilet paper. Now that I'm, like, living with people, like, if I did that, yeah, my husband would just, like, it, it just does not make sense, and he'll buy whatever 24 packs. And now I see the beauty of that. It makes you feel very safe. Yes. <laughs> but when he's not here, like, he's leaving town tomorrow for six, seven weeks, like, I'm not going to be buying 24 packs. I'm going to be doing, like, a two-pack, a four-pack. I don't know. It's like... It's like you, it makes you feel like you're saving money. But yeah, wait, but you're not, no, six or seven weeks is so long. Yeah. He tours with this band postmodern jukebox and he'll occasionally have a really long tour. Um, Do you ever join or it's just like you're separate and that's fine. Yeah, we're separate and that's fine. People, people have been really into asking me if I join. It's not the type of joining thing because they're like, with this group and they're like changing like countries and places every day mm. so it's like they're like in a bus and stuff so I've gone to some shows that were in Europe and whatnot but in my book see this is what's funny because someone referenced my book to me the other day I said my husband was leaving and they were like oh my god we're gonna have to sedate you because like you go crazy and I was like what and I was like oh yeah but I'm better now like it's just so weird like once you and it's definitely the antidepressants that to help me be better like I take 10 milligrams of Prozac and like that really helps I've also done a lot of work with PMDD and PMS so I'm just I feel like a lot of stuff that was coming up for me with my PMS really was rooted in trust um like because when it was coming up like we weren't married we had just started dating and we were apart all the time and everything felt really crazy and really fast and that's when things like the pms got so exacerbated and now that things are more stable i just it's not perfect but i just don't have the that same level of freak outs but like i but was really worried that if you did i didn't I didn't get that perception that, like, when he's gone, you'd freak out more. Like, there was just a witness to your freak out. Yeah, there's a witness to your freak out, but we did have some hard travel times. Like, I don't know, some of them are in the book, but I, some of them I was even, like, embarrassed to put in. But um, I put most of them in. I think we put in, like, an email that he wrote me where he was, like, you know, telling me, like, I needed to stop behaving that way. Because, like, us being apart would, like, trigger some kind of... Got it. Thing, like, yeah, and that's when I would have, like, really bad PMS. And then looking back, I'm like, why didn't I just up my antidepressants whenever he was gone or something? Like, I could have went up to, like, 20 or something, 20 milligrams. Yeah, but it's, again, not a thing that you're, like, actively thinking and taught to think about. Yeah, exactly. And when you're going through it, like, you're you're just, you're trying to survive and just, like, get by. It's just so interesting to me that it's, I'm more distant from it now thank god because my period legit like took over my life um for like three years like I didn't understand how other people weren't thinking about their period all the time three years so it came out of nowhere it started when I was like 30 or 31 it got really bad yeah I think I I mean I had always had like heavy period I guess heavy or like I had cramps and stuff um and felt a little down, but when I turned 30 was when it got really, really, really bad. Well, what about you? 
Did you have it when you were like a teenager? Yeah, but PMS? I got on birth control young, and I'm. And that helped it. Yeah, it was just regular and light, and I didn't think about it. And then I got an IUD at 26, and then it got heavier, and I actually had symptoms, and I was kind of annoyed. But then it's been, it's like not, it's changes. Like sometimes it'll be light for two days, disappear, come back heavy. Now it's heavy. Like it's kind of on its own journey with this IUD. Every few years it changes. Doesn't that thing hurt going in? That thing yeah, scares me. It's really fucked up. I'm Oof. really scared. Next year's the year. But I think I'm just gonna swap. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna I don't like that. And I Jordan Jensen is a funny comedian in New York and she just did a joke where she was on mushrooms and and started thinking about her IUD and was like, Oh, I have a toy inside me and got it taken out. <laughs> and I have, it made me laugh. That's really good. Oh my god, I need to look that up. I love that. Yeah, like oh I have a piece of metal, a metal toy. That's funny. Yeah, it is yeah. fucked. Oh, and then um have you heard of Allison Libby's show at Cherry Lane? It was called Oh God, a show about abortion. No, but I would love to see it. It sh- it did end its. I think it's going to be taped. I th- or she'll. It's um, okay. Anna Wintour went on opening night. You know, it was Ooh. like a hip Ooh, show. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the viral video of her getting like ID checked and she didn't have an ID because she's Anna no. Wintour. It was pretty fun, but it was at the show. That's hilarious. And I saw it again this week, and. Um, she has a lot so she has she had back issues a, a long time so she went to get an mri cat scan i don't know and three neurosurgeons couldn't understand what was inside of her and a woman nurse had to come in and go that's a tampon oh my three God. <laughs> neurosurgeons were like what is that oh no what is that and she's getting worried because she's had all these problems with her back yeah and um yeah they just didn't even know what a tampon was it's like really uh, yeah it, it bothers me how little men care or want to care or know or are forced to know it's like a non-issue it's like it's weird it's strange for three neurosurgeons not to know what because then she goes it's in the place it's supposed to be yeah (laughs) she's like it's not it's not in the wrong hole yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's really disturbing yeah Yeah. that's really disturbing and these are the doctors Um, that we go to and these are the professionals that are dismissing women and not really understanding and not caring they don't care that they don't get it they're just like go away no they they don't care they don't care it's not it's just not in their they're never gonna think about it unless whoever they're dating like someone brings it up to them um well, that's what I love that you said about, like, looking for a man that's already been divorced. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, they yeah. know what it's like to be, like, fully intimate with a woman on a real level. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. There's bad marriages. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's like a soft opening or something. I think it's I think it's a good theory. I mean, I'm sure, uh, of course, it doesn't work for us. No, of some are still red flags. There's people who get married five totally. times. Yeah. But if it's, like, a good guy or whatever or you know person and you're like and they've I mean the other thing I really liked about Tony was that he had a kid so I'm like okay so he's like not only has he been married but like he's seen someone like give birth um maybe that ruined his marriage I don't know (laughs) but like no I (laughs) I have a lot of good guy friends that are married and I like that 
Yeah. It's yeah. like, especially the ones with annoying Jewish women in their lives, like, they sure. just aren't appalled by my behavior in any way. And I can I be myself. That. And, like, their moms have humiliated them for years, so it doesn't matter. And those are, yes. like, close friendships I have are men with uh, oh, that's that really love their wives. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I know. I'm like, so, yeah. There's, like, the whole thing of, like, can we be friends with like married men? And it's, yeah, we can. No, I think married men are, married men are great. And that's why I was like, I know it's like an unpopular thing, but I was like, I can't start like, I, especially cause I have all these books written with personal shit in them. Like guys and girls were just weird about dating me because of that. So well, I also have an issue with that because I talk all the time and everything I have is out everywhere. And I think right. it's an unfair power dynamic when you can know all of no. these things about me and I don't know anything. And you're trying to slide in my DMs with a private Instagram account. It's like you already have so much. It's unfair. It's like an unfair playing ground. Do you ever? Yeah, totally. Especially on the apps and stuff. That's why, like, like, do you, I don't know if you use apps. Like, I would sometimes just use, like, my middle name or something. Um because just a quick Google and then they know everything. But I feel like I kind of liked that power dynamic in a, in a sick way of like, yeah, I'm the interesting one. I don't know. Did you ever, did you ever feel that way? I don't. Like, yeah. No. For, okay, um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the like moments that I have had, but mm -hmm. it makes me. It's just weird. If they're also not it open, if they're then open and like also chatty or like they're open about what they know, then that's different too. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was with like, it's like, okay, well I'm either going to date what someone who's a writer or comedian, whatever, who has all their shit out there or, and then it, that's how I felt. It was like, okay, well this guy's divorced. So he can't hide anything. He can't hide his ex. He can't hide that he has a kid. He can't hide like that kind of baggage or whatever. And I can't hide. So it seemed it seems perfect. I, I am, I'm glad it worked out, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, also this just came to me as well. They also have a fake version of them, of you that they've, they're putting on you. So yeah. it's kind of like having a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, not that I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, that's just someone I had a crush on as a kid. So that's what came to yeah. mind. But it's like, yeah, that's not what he is. Yeah. I guess I am pretty yeah. close to what I am all the time, but you, it is a, like there's layers to a human and you might be putting me up on some weird thing. I think I feel it more. It's funny. I, with romantic partners, I think I was kind of like, Oh yeah, no, I'm a writer. Like it just made me like, I felt like it gave me a little power. Like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm interesting, whatever. But where it gets trickier for me, I think is with students, um, who have like read all my work and then want to either work with me or like get a cup of coffee. That's when I feel the dynamic a little bit more um, because I don't know what they're expecting of me. And also like the book they read of mine could have been from 10 years ago now. So it's like, they're expecting maybe this like crazy fun person. And then I'm like, I'm old now. Like I go to bed at 10 o'clock. Like I know I wrote about like doing all this stuff. So then I just end up feeling really lame. Um, but it's like, I can't stay who I was in that book from 2012, you know? And do you feel like most of your students have read your work and then find the class? That's how it usually, yeah. that's how it usually works. That's how it usually works. Occasionally I'll have a student who's never read my work, but that's very, that's very rare. It works the other way of like, oh, I read this person's work. Now I want to take a class with them. 
And how long? How is it? How long are the courses? They're always different. Like some are one day, some are a year, some are four weeks. It's all different. And do you like and to I, do it? I do. I mean, I think I'm. You know, I didn't go to college or anything, so for me to be like teaching is so funny. Um, I failed everything. I was just listening to someone talk about something like this. Some comedian. It might have been Bill Burr. I'm not even sure, but it's just like. Like, like, why are you listening to me? Like, I failed everything in high school. I failed English. Like, don't, why are you asking me? But uh, at the same time, I get it. It's like I've published a few books. Um, and I feel like, so I think of myself more as a mentor, like not a teacher by any means. Like, I would never work at a college or a school. But, like, doing mentorships, like, one-on-one -on -one and helping someone, like, navigate the industry or generate writing or send their essays to magazines. I'm really good at that. So I, I think it's fun. I mean, I also work retail so that I'm not only doing things on my computer. Um, where do you I work? work at this? Like I work at this really cute store in my town, Hudson. Um, the brand is called loop L O U P. It's like, it's awesome. It's size inclusive and they make what they call life changing pants. Um, really good pants, really good jumpsuits. Um, so I work there just to like, be in the real world and not just be all in my own shit like I don't want to just be doing creative shit all the time I want to be able to like just have a regular job because I feel like what I do is so weird and so niche like I wrote a book about my period like it can be embarrassing <laughs> you know I get wait um so with the students when you mentor do you have to believe in them <laughs> like, do you ever, do you choose who gets to do it? Or it's like, if you pay, you're in the class and that's that. Or are you like, this person stinks? No, you can't. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, you do get to choose. Like most places I work have an application, right? So it'll say like, why do you want to take this? Have you, what's your writing style? Who are your influences? Um, and most people are usually a good fit. And I say, oh yeah, that's fine. Let them in. And then occasionally you'll get someone like, no you're a sci-fi writer and like no I, we're not going to work well together so um there are applications yeah um and so yeah, what are I the red flags I'm, just sci-fi <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much sci-fi i don't know men men and i never work together unless they're gay men um i don't think i've had a straight man in my class like ever um especially because i wrote a book called women after that it was like I just have all women in my classes and a couple gay men, and I like it that way. I think having a man would really change. Maybe I would be good, but I'm, I don't know. The older I You're get, You're right, they I'm would like, never choose just, it. That's the thing. They just are not, they're like, they deny it, but they're really not interested in things by women. There's a new yeah. um, thing that I learned that I think is a good piece of advice for everyone, is if a man asks you for help, like, run, because they would never. Like silence of the lamb rules. Like no man is asking you for help. <laughs> Do not trust them. That's, that's funny. I'm trying to think. I'm like a man has never asked me for <laughs> that is so interesting to think about. Like, no, never. I cannot even think of it. Um, well, also, it's like I teach personal essay and memoir for the most part. And like men don't take that shit. Like, you know, there's all these studies that like women are the people that sign up for any kind of classes more than men like whatever it is like language art writing whatever like women are so much more into self-improvement and like oh it's winter I'm gonna take a writing class you know and a, a man is just not not like oh I want to write some personal essays about my life and they should be like if they were then the world would be a lot more interesting like I feel like 
they're the ones that should be taking the classes and like looking at their shit on paper, you know, and like that's how they could become more evolved people but it's it's not what they're interested in no it's very rare and it seems like you know your guy yeah. your husband tony through the essays in the book he seems like an evolved yeah. dude are there still just like man things that come out where you're like i can't believe him with this man or is he something unique and different like because that's kind of the conundrum of life where like men boo and then you're out yeah. there with a man. <laughs> so it's like, I what do know. we do? It's, it yeah. sucks. It sucks. I think for me, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I think about that a lot lately. I'm like, cause I feel like I could have went either way. And, but with him and just like my relationship makes sense. And like, I really think we're really good. I don't know. We like work really well together. And I also like men, I think since I'm like queer and like women, I'm like, I like men that are more effeminate because they're more like women. So that's what he's like. So it's like kind of like being with a woman too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the conundrum. Right. But then like, he also has his daughter. So then it's like, there's a lot of feminine energy in the house, you know, like she and I kind of like rule the house of like what we're going to watch, what we're reading, what we're doing for day. You know, it's like, it's like, I always have this like chick to hang out with. And this might be too personal, but when he's gone on tour for seven weeks, does your stepdaughter come stay with you a couple of days here and there? Or is she just with her mom? Yeah. No. Um, we stay 50, 50. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's really nice. We're really close. Um, that's another thing that I think people should do more is like, if they're like conflicted about being a parent or not, like date someone with a kid because you get the best of both worlds. Um, we're all artists, like all of her, she has a stepdad too. So she's got four parents a lot and no one has a normal job. She is threatening to write a memoir, a memoir about it, but, um, so I lost my train of thought, but, um, what was the question? What were well, we saying? Well, if she still comes, even if your husband is gone, yeah. but it seems like because yeah. everyone is. Oh yeah. So it's like, so we all get along and co-parent. I mean, I wrote about one thing for the New York times, which was called, we didn't want to co-parent a puppy. And that was when like she wanted to get a puppy to bring back and forth. And my husband and I like thought it was going to be terrible, but in a, it has a happy ending because it ended up being really good. But that was really our main conflict. Other than that, things have been... Wait, so what's happening with the puppy? The puppy goes back and forth okay. with, <laughs> with Louise. Yeah, so we have a part-time... So the house goes from, like, me, my husband, my stepdaughter, the puppy, to nothing. And like, did she advocate for that for herself? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was during, the, it was like when the pandemic started, um, and it worked out, you know, if it, if it had been a, like, a shitty puppy and like, I'd be t singing a different tune, but it worked out really well. Um, and it's really good for her. And, and so that's where I'm saying like, yeah, people should date people with kids, especially creative people, because then you have your time to like do your creative stuff, but you still can have a taste of being a parent or be a parent. Um, 
So I think it's really fun. I think I really, I think I really scored. And like the older my friends get, I have a lot of friends now becoming stepmoms. Like my cousin is like 41, 42, and she's about to get married to someone who has two kids. They're teenagers. My other friend is 41 and she's dating some, a divorced guy with a four year old, like more and more of my friends are becoming, I guess at a certain age, like when you're in your late thirties, forties, you, you meet, you tend to meet more people who have been married and have a kid. And so it just ends up that way. Have you ever dated anyone with a kid? No, it's actually a bit... I don't want children, so it is, like, this kind of deal-breaker in my head. You know what I mean? That if they had one, you couldn't... It's what if? Just... What if it was, like, you only saw the kid... What if the kid was cool, though? Like, I just how do you know you're... I just really <laughs> don't want to be a parent. A child. No. But what if you weren't a parent and you were, like, a friend? Like, what if it was, like, some cool, like you know 10 year old and it was actually like funny and yeah. you were just like a mentor like you don't actually have to parent that like some some step parents don't parent at all you know yeah maybe but then um i would because then it's like if maybe like i don't see him that much but then i think i'd be annoyed if my partner wasn't trying to see their kid more i don't know i <laughs> yeah i get that I'd be like you're a deadbeat take care of your kid <laughs> 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 totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just not a life I see for myself. But mm-hmm. I, you did mention like fostering at one point and that yeah. I see in my like later years of life. I see myself doing that in bursts. So I saw myself doing that too. It's so funny you say that. So the other night I was like, I think that that is the answer. Like, I think that would be really fun. Cause like, I like, I really like kids and stuff. And so I went to the website whatever one that's like local and you know like the home screen like there's a pop-up and it was like do you have extra space in your home and in your heart or like do you have an extra bedroom in your home and extra space in your heart and I was like I don't have an extra bedroom (laughs) no like I have our bedroom and my stepdaughter's bedroom so I just clicked out I was like that was easy like I was literally like I hadn't even really I guess I hadn't thought of that. Like, oh yeah, logistics. Like, yeah, I would want to be wealthy. I would want to be able to provide like extra, a really good life. Yeah, and Mm. I would hope. I mean, the goal with foster care usually is to like reunite original, like nuclear families and stuff. And so that seems hard, but that like that seem that's something I can see myself doing in like fifteen, twenty years, but. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good, especially if you don't. Yeah, because most people are tur- by what you just said, like are turned off by that of like, oh, you have to reunite the parent. Like, if that's okay for you, then yeah, you should do it. Yeah, I would want to like help um, in some sort of way, or like siblings that would be separated, like trying to keep people together yeah. that are being fucked by this system. I have another podcast yeah. about Law & Order SVU. Uh, oh, it's called okay, That's shit. Messed Up. And it's with my friend Kara Clank, and it's kind of, it's blowing up. But um, yeah. we talk yeah. about an episode, we interview an actor from the show, but we also research the true crime it's based on. And unfortunately, I just research a lot of the horrors of the world because it's Special uh-huh. Victims Unit. And there are just cases of kids falling through the crowd. It's just like the system just fucking letting children down. And that like really yeah. affects me. And yeah. so it seems like yeah. a tangible thing to do because the horrors of the world are so large. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. It's devastating how kids are treated. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like that. I like that plan for you. Are you dating anyone now? No, it's actually a nightmare. I wanted to talk to you about like um, feeling loose in the world for so long and kind oh, of yeah. being perpetually single. But another thing about the uh, in the New York Times about the stepmom stuff that I loved, you said it's like parenthood without pressure or less yeah. pressure. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, there's the pressure of breast and doing this and doing it right. And it's like to have imposed, quote unquote, rules already in place and kind of joining. And it's like parenthood with less pressure. I, I liked that description. Yeah. And as my friend said, like, you don't ruin your vagina. Like, you just yeah. like. But people are shady. To- I'm sure people say insane things to you. Yeah, I think it has its pros and cons. I feel like deep down I know that for me like it's like it's one of my gifts I'm like because like I'm not good at so much shit like I I can write and that's it like I'm good with kids so and I was like okay like most people I feel like are not up for co-parenting because it is a challenge right just to have like oh okay this person's gonna be my life forever you know but for me I'm like that's the kind of thing I'm interested in of like human behavior of that so for me it seems like the right thing but then of course there's feelings of like you know of like oh do my friends with babies and toddlers like actually consider me like I'm, I'm left out of a lot of that stuff I, I feel like I don't know what they're they're really thinking um but I feel like what I have on them is that like I get to be I didn't write about this in the book but it's just like kind of young mom mm-hmm. privilege like cause like and now my stepdaughter's like getting really tall like she was 6 when I met her she's 12 now so she's like I'm 5'3 she's like 5'2 so like the taller she gets the younger mom I look because people are like oh my god she's so old like you must have so I just let them think that like when we walk down the street or whatever so that's kind of fun um and then like I'll FaceTime or whatever talk to like my friends who have a one-year-old or whatever and like their life looks so hellish and I'm like oh we're just we're on our way to Paris like we're we're we're, like watching you know friends and talking about friends like it's just so easy um so I feel like yeah I don't know I just I feel like I got I got really lucky with that we'll see if I have a kid I've been trying to have a kid and it has not been oh you have working yeah um, which is something. So you want to dive into the hell? <laughs> like all the perks you just said, it's so funny. And you're like, and <laughs> I'm going to give know. them. A- I do want to dive into the hell, but, but it hasn't been working. So I'm like, well, maybe. And like, there's this quote, I guess it's like, I don't know if it's like the Dalai Lama or what it is, but it's like, if you don't have kids in this life, then consider yourself off the hook or something. And I'm like, maybe I did get off the hook and like, And just knowing, like, from what I know with PMDD... That doesn't sound like the Dalai Lama, though. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it was... (laughs) It was someone like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Like, from what I know from PMDD, too, like, I know that I would have, like, the worst postpartum depression, and that freaks me out a lot. And people with PMS, a history of PMS and PMDD, are just more at risk for it. Like, I would have to have so many meds set up for me and so much support set up for me because I could just see myself like really I don't know just going into a really bad place um so I'm like maybe I'm being maybe that's why I haven't gotten pregnant I'm just like being protected from like ruining my marriage or something I don't know I don't know it's weird it's weird trying to get pregnant and not getting pregnant it's like the weirdest thing ever because you think you just snap your fingers well that's another thing that like no one's really taught about no one tells or the frequency of miscarriages and like it's just uh, 
they're it's just a not talked about thing and i know there was someone in my life a few years ago that revealed they were pregnant pretty early like outside of social norms i would say early and then miscarriage and it's like well that's why you don't tell people and she's like what i'm supposed to suffer in silence that's uh, that's bullshit like this is happening to me and i have to pretend it's not happening when i'm obviously going through something and i was like yeah and i i like yeah i liked i liked that it was a new perspective. I, for I me. learned about I learned about that recently too. That the reason you weren't supposed to tell people was so that you would suffer in silence. So I, I'm into I, I can see it from both sides though, because I'm like, oh, but then everyone's checking in on you, and that's kind of stressful too. So it's like each person should make their own decision for that. But yeah. Oh, for sure, and decision, and also like I have some friends that have had miscarriages, like multiples per viable pregnancy, and it's just like a part of their journey for them. And then I have some friends where it's like been detrimental to to their lives, like in tears in bed, and I yeah. and it's like I don't understand. Like I don't know when you have the two, so then suddenly maybe you're disappointed by the lack of support you're getting. But then you have some friends that are like, oh no, biggie, that's just it. So exactly. Exactly. Everyone is so different when it comes to this stuff. Like it can like tear your whole life apart or you're the kind of person like, oh, oh, I'll keep trying. It's it's really it's interesting. I feel like no one tells you that this age like, I don't know, I just it's really intense, like all of the things. And it's like what they say, like my mom was saying, like, oh, you're in like the sandwich generation where like your parents are getting older, but then you're also parenting. You're like trying to have a baby. It's like it's a lot, you know, uh, part of me like longs for those years of my 20s I was just like single and had nothing going on but I know but then I'll like look in an old journal or something and I'm like oh I was really distressed those days too so you know like because like oh am I gonna meet anyone am I gonna be alone forever and da 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 I'm depressed like whenever I look in an old journal so I'm like all right well I'm definitely romanticizing sitting here now I'm definitely romanticizing that like oh that was so fun you know parts of it were but not all of it yeah I feel like my sister's uh take taken that role she has all the she has three kids she lives three blocks away from my parents and so she's kind of in the center of it and i am that's intense i'm in new york you know like i'm just kind of (laughs) out and about (laughs) um doing shows uh so she's kind of taken that but what's really cool with her journey i'm obsessed with so she married her high school sweetheart they met sophomore year oh my god um got married at 22 first kids at 25 but now they're in their 40s they're so like youthful vibrant the kids are 20 and high 17 14 like they're kind so my holy shit so my sister now is like loving edibles she's going to mexico the kids yeah. are at summer camp <laughs> the oldest is with his girlfriend so it's like they're taking road trips they're going out to happy hours and they didn't have that in their 20s and of yeah. course they think about like oh i should have done this or that but it's cool like yeah they've learned the lessons they have these kids that are not only quote-unquote self-sufficient but like they're friends they like yeah. like their parents and oh, I love that. they go on trips together and even the 20 year olds like we have the best parents you know oh that's so cool yeah. I, that's so interesting about your sister because like I feel like in a lot of ways she did it right because isn't it crazy the ages that people are having babies now <laughs> yeah like well my mom had me at 42 so oh shit okay so that's why my sister at 30 she's my sister's 10 years older than me but yeah my sister started young but as she got older she's revealed like she did feel pressure to do that and the right thing because mm. she went to a jewish high school i didn't okay and my, i guess my mom had a bigger effect i don't know so 
she's just going through those things. But now looking at their lives and like you have money, you get to go to resorts, your kids, you like sounds nice. bought your kid a Jeep. It's nice. It's cool. <laughs> that sounds dog. really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the whole like older parent thing. Like I kept giving myself a cutoff of like, oh, okay, I'm, I don't want to have a kid when I'm 40 or whatever. But then I was speaking with someone recently and she was like, if she was like, if that's what God gives you, like, you'll find the energy like da da da. And then like, <laughs> I'm like looking at everyone. I'm like, everyone's giving birth at 40 to 45 now. Yeah. And, but like, I just can't imagine growing up as a kid. I guess your mom was 42. I want to know what that was like. Cause I'm like, I see these photos where like the parents look so old and they have this like toddler and I'm just, it's, yeah. I see them all around <laughs> Hudson here. Like I see these like harried, like, you know, aging hipsters with a stroller and like, they look like they're like 45 and 50 years old and they have their first baby. And like, there's something to that. Cause you're at like a calm place in your life, but it just, it's so weird. You definitely have perspective. I feel lucky with my parents because like, they knew if they pressure me to do something, I'd resent that. Like, they let me make mistakes. They didn't take things. They just knew life was long and things didn't matter. Not matter, mm. but I feel like they've... I'm so opposite of anything they probably pictured, um, but they let me do it. I never felt like I yeah. couldn't. And that might come yeah. from age, but my dad was 50 with full white hair and everyone thought... Damn. So I knew that they would be... so. People thinking he was a grandpa or that he could, um, like, death of them was always in my mind. It's always mm -hmm. been like, I have old parents and I have to cherish mm -hmm. it and I feel pressure mm -hmm. on that. But not, you know, my, my dad's 84. My mom's in 77, I think. Yeah, 78. And cool. they're doing cool. But we're immigrants. So we came here from the Soviet yeah. Union in the 90s. Uh -huh. And so they also having older parents might be different if they're comfortable. But like my parents were like janitors at the preschool so I could go and working factories and going <laughs> learning English and like, damn. So I don't know where they found the energy. I really don't. It's yeah, psychotic. They, they had to. It's honestly psychotic yeah. thinking about that. And I didn't realize the hardships of parenthood until my friends started having children. Because I was young okay. and in my own. I didn't care. Even with my sister, it was yeah. like I didn't think about it. And then all of a sudden you see your friends like making the lunches, waking up, doing this, having to pick up at daycare. And then it hits me what my parents did in a country they didn't know the language Foreign as old country. people working all the time. It's, I don't know how they did it. I really don't. That's actually really inspiring. <laughs> really inspired by your parents. I did watch your Netflix oh, wow. um, special. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about, you were talking about them, how like they didn't know what you, you were doing yeah. because they you were like, they're super old and super foreign. So you were just like doing things. Do they support, do they like your comedy? Yeah. Like, what do they think of? I yeah. think to them, they see me live a life that they could have only imagined, you know, it's like, yeah, it's That's really awesome. cool. I think they do wish, of course, I was more financially settled, maybe with a partner, like a little more stable so they didn't have to worry about yeah. me. Like it is a wild lifestyle, but I also want to meet a partner. Yeah. But they also spoiled me so it's like i'm sorry i don't have any life skills that's your fault yeah yeah for <laughs> but sure. my sister's so different like when she okay. moved here she was an early teen so she had to get a job she bought her own car she paid for her own college she like wow. she had to pick the house do the paperwork translate and then by the time i got to high school i got to have a coach purse and play basketball <laughs> and like i didn't so we had i'm like a very american and she's kind of like a soviet upbringing 
Wow, a coach person playing basketball. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really That's funny. my definition of freedom, I guess, in that yeah, age. I guess so, yeah. I love it. I love but it. But yeah, so I don't know. And, like, I have one friend um, who married uh, one of my best friends, and he, so... Um, I also wonder if I have so many guy friends because of comedy, probably, too. Like, they're just probably. always all around. Yeah. But she posted something recently I loved where she's like, yeah, at 36, I was, like, divorced and didn't know what my life had in store. And then at 40, I got married. And at 42, I have this baby. And then it's like, she does have the, cu- they have the cutest kid. And it's like, yeah, seven years ago, she just was in a full different that's what keeps me going because i am scared i'm gonna die alone i'm perpetually single i've only been in two relationships and i don't have the skills i don't know what you know i believe things happen when they happen but the loneliness is real see that's what's interesting is like you're saying it happens when it happens and that's like the advice i'm getting on the baby thing and i'm like it's so annoying but then i look back on what you're saying of like people telling me that when i was single and i didn't believe that either and then it did happen. Like, I thought it was so annoying when people said that. Like, everyone was like, well, do do all your travel now and do all your crazy shit now because you just, you don't know, like, what's going to happen. Like, in a year, you could have met someone and everything's going to change. And I I just really resented that. It's like, how do you know? Well, my you know? big it's resentment like the- now is people being like, it happens when you don't try. And it's like, well, I haven't been trying. And guess what? I'm, I probably have to try now because I've been yes. living free and out there and not... Yeah, <laughs> I know. People used to say that to me, too. But then, like, Tony, I am I had met him in town, but then I saw it, but he had had a girlfriend. And a year later, I saw him on Tinder. And if I hadn't been on Tinder, I wouldn't have known that he was single. So, I don't know. I think I think the apps are good. I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of everything. Meeting, like, friends through friends and, yeah. Do you watch doing Bravo? Stuff. No, I'm not a big Bravo person anymore. I was in high school. There was a big engagement this week that I was really behind and very happy for. And I'm glad that they found each other. Um, Like, they were best friends, you know? But it's like, you guys have a connection. But um, Lindsay was perpetually looking for love and getting heartbroken and kind of just like fuck what the hell I'm 35 and like I'm annoyed and then Carl's had a rough go his brother died of an overdose and he had to deal with his own sobriety and so he's been working hard on being sober and has become this like incredibly different person over the seasons and mature and amazing and Lindsay gets judged a lot for being like a drunk slut let's say (laughs) and I love that he loves her for who she is like she's okay if she flashes people at a party and she stopped drinking for him for a while as well but like it's just cool that these best friends like reached because they tried to date before and it didn't work and their friendship meant too much so it's like they went on this journey they're like self-improved they saw each other in a real way accept each other and like now have this like best friendship and hopeful great marriage but you know you don't know but that's why I'm like so excited for them yeah yeah and at least like at least you have guy friends and because you can like meet people through no I actually have had to um I said this to a social I said this to a friend socially and she had like a mental breakdown she was like wow that just hit me hard like I need a moment (laughs) but my friend Jared Freed he has um, a great podcast and gives really great relationship advice and he said yeah friends should be hooking you up and if your friends aren't hooking you up with people there's something wrong with you do you believe that yeah because I have so many friends so I'm like oh no one has ever thought to hook me up with someone so like 
And my friend that I told, we were like just hanging out outside of a comedy club and she was like, um, I need to leave. <laughs> like she had a yeah, moment. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is good. That is good. I guess the way I'm also thinking about it though, is like sometimes when your friends want you to hook you up, them up with someone, you like literally don't know anyone that's either single or yeah. whatever. Um, because just like the age that people are at, they'll be like, Oh, all my friends are partnered, you know? Um, do you have like your girlfriends and stuff? Do you have like single friends or, or do you feel like everyone around you is partnering up? Because I remember that feeling and it fucking sucks. It sucks. Well, it sucks because I didn't notice. I've really been living a dream life. Um, and then one day I woke up, I think pandemics <laughs> when it really hit me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. Everyone is together. I didn't realize yeah. I'm the always single. Per- I, it just didn't hit me. I don't know. Um, and now that it has, I have had to make newer friends, especially in L.A. New York is a little different, more single friends, like, out and about. You're you're running around. L.A. is a little more isolating, where I actually am now making an effort and making friends. So now I'm hanging out with, like, 29-year-olds. I'm going to be 35. That's fun. Yeah, so I'm going dancing. Yeah, that's fun. I'm, like, texting. Yeah. I'm reaching out. Like, I'm just make. I'm, yeah, I have to make new friends as an adult. Not that I don't love my dear friends. It's just, like... Our lives are different. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And it's it's funny how we're talking because there are such parallels of what you're saying about friends and relationships and what I am going through with friends that have babies because I'm like, well, we can't really go to dinner with them anymore. You know, we need friends that are childless or have older kids to hang out with. So, like, your friend circle does change and you have to, like, actively work on it unless you want to be at a dinner with, like, five toddlers well you know that's interesting because my sister and her husband all their friends have small kids right because they did it so young but yeah I do I was the friend that was always with my friends and their kids and with their kid and then eventually realized like I want my unit like no matter what I will never be a priority in your life and that's great you should love your kids but like and I know that I'm loved by them and their children but it's like eventually it's like I'm fitting into all these people's lives and I don't like it anymore yeah it's really hard it's and it's so hard to trust that you will meet someone because it's just like how do you know you know and like what is life gonna look like if I don't you know I'd be pissed I would really love to find someone before my parents are dead to be truly honest if I'm being like real in my core fear I'm like I hope I just like find a partner before my parents die yeah do you remember like the psycho thing like years ago that people when like online dating first came out and there was like that woman who did some kind of ted talk about like mathematically like going on a date every night or whatever to like well, Robin wilson did that okay, okay rebel wilson said that she did a thing where she, she said that? yeah yeah she, on jared freed's podcast actually she uh um she talks about this because yes yeah, so she said that she said yes to every single date Okay, and is she partner now? Yeah, with a woman, uh-huh, um, which uh-huh, is exciting. Uh-huh. And she revealed on Jared's podcast, You Up, with um, Jordana, that she was in love and she's been dating someone for about a year. And then this kind of su- this sucks. Uh, a paper found out in Australia and was going to out her, so pressured her to come out. Um, Hate that. So that was annoying. But yeah, she came out and... Um, oh my God, I like have to look this up. That's, that's, that, yeah, that's really fun. I love when people edge up with a woman yes. who weren't necessarily planning on it. Um, are you open to that? Or yeah, no? so I've, my two relationship, okay. one was with a guy, one was with a girl. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. I think you talked about that in the, in the network. And I'm definitely thing. open to 
Yeah. Just a person. I just want someone that likes it. I also, yeah. It's like, am I, I'm not putting myself out there enough. I might be awkward, but you can't meet someone like sitting at home or like in the hotel. No. You have to go out and be social. Un- unfortunately. Yeah. I can't just keep blaming the world, but I'm also like, why are people not obsessed with me? <laughs> like, I want that, I know, too. <laughs> I know. I know. It's hard, because sometimes you get advice from people that are like, just go out and flirt. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me. So it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. The advice you're giving is we're di- we're living different lives. I don't know what to tell you. That, that never worked for me either. As much as I liked the idea of it, I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that sounds nice. Just, like, sit at the bar. But, like, in reality, then you just sit at the bar and then you go home. Yeah. <laughs> You're, like, more more depressed than when you were just home. Yeah. yeah, I I that never worked for me either. But, I mean, it's cool that you're open because I just feel like, I don't know, something will happen. What app... Do you, what apps like do you use? I'm on the. It's just I'm. I have a Tinder and a Hinge. I just canceled yeah. the paying for it. I'm just like an, a, annoyed. Nice. But yeah, um, I do it mostly on vacation. Interesting. Like, yeah. Like ooh, I'm in this cool. Like yeah, I'm always like Tinder's the yeah. best on vacation for me. That makes sense for me. I always would do it seasonally. Like. In the winter, I'd be like, no way am I going to go, you know, in New York. Like, I'm going to go trudge in this, like, zero-degree weather to go meet someone for a drink. It was so much harder for me to get motivated. But then in the summer, I was like, this is so easy. I can go on, like, three dates a day and just, like, meet one person for a drink, meet another. And so when I had the energy to do it, I would do it as much as I as much as much I could because I knew that that feeling was going to pass and I was going to be like, fuck everybody. And were you, like, on paper, like, oh, this is hot, awesome, I'm into this? Or were you like, fine, I'll go? It depended on, it depended on my mood. I, I would get excited about it sometimes, and then other times I just, yeah, would force myself. I'm like, you need to go on a date and, like, talk to someone, like, use your social skills. Um... But it was hard. Yeah, I had never been in a like a healthy relationship. I was like really into being in like affairs and like, <laughs> like being like I-, I was just really, I think, emotionally immature for relationships. Um, like I was a late bloomer in that way. I just like they kind of disgusted me relationship. Like I just I didn't understand them. I didn't really get the concept. Um, and I thought it was so much easier to just like, I don't know, sleep with someone, but like that person was taken. So then you wouldn't have to like do all the actual shit. But then when I met my husband, I was like, he just didn't repulse me in that way. Like I liked doing all that domestic stuff with him. But when I was doing it with other people, I was like, this is, this is so gross and weird. And then it was weird because like what we were talking about earlier, like I dated this one guy and he had read. Or, like, he was like, oh, now that we're dating, I'm going to go... It's like someone dating you and being like, oh, now that we're dating, I'm going to go back and, like, watch every single piece of comedy you've ever done. And I was like, (laughs) he did that with my books, and it just was not healthy at all, so that had to go really quickly. So, um, but my husband, like, he doesn't... He's not, like, weird about the writing or the past writing I've done or the writing I do now. Like, it just doesn't... That's a red flag that I see at times. Like, there's one comedian, she was uh, complaining that her boyfriend kept getting mad at all her jokes about him. And I was like, 
dump him. I, there's nothing that he offers you that is more important than this. And then she, I guess she like called him dumb in a joke, and he was like, I, that joke hurts my... Stop it. And it was like, get out of this. Get out of this. Yeah, you have to get out immediately if that happens. As, like, you really, especially as, like, yeah, women artists and stuff trying to date. I, I, that would be an interesting, like podcast in itself for someone to host or like an anthology I don't know something because I've talked with other people about this like Catherine Cohen you know like she's gone through this we've all gone through it um it's very common for writers any women that like actually talk about their lives publicly yeah um, this is different just how bad dating is Blair Saki just posted like a hinge convo and it was like stand-up question mark and she wrote yeah and he goes people say I should do stand-up um I winged this open mic but the woke mob got so mad at my jokes and it was just like <laughs> my god it was I just can't. kind of um a maniac I'm obsessed with Kat Cohen and Pat her. Regan um I love Pat I listen to seek treatment it's so good. I love I love them so much. I'm so, those are two people that I'm like, thank you for staying in New York. Knock on wood. Yeah. But I just yeah. So are you like are you bi coastal? No, I like, don't is live that what's here. going I'm, on. My goal is to make it in Hollywood and move back to New York. You know what I mean? I'm just like okay. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> yeah. trying to bet on myself in a way of like trying to get I want a kooky best friend part on a sitcom. Oh, fuck yeah. That is like, yeah. honestly, once you do that, I feel like you can live forever. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, so it's worth a few years of just being, what, in the sunshine? Is it as good as New York? No, but right. I will come back to New York, and right okay, now I'm good. in L.A., and that's just kind of like the vibe for me. I was miserable at first, but I don't want that narrative anymore. I'm just like, it's... Okay. It's like if okay. someone goes to grad school or like a residency somewhere, and they're like... Yeah, Ugh. and it's like, yeah, I'll be back. You know, that's yeah, how I exactly. feel. Because yeah. um, it, they're not comparable cities, but it's not like LA is trash. I know. You know, it's like a nice not place. At all. No, I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous that everybody like I would have no reason to ever move there or be there. Like I never even go there. I never have a reason to go there. I think I'm doubly triggered well, you by it right like now. Also, don't like the ocean. I don't like the ocean. I know, but like. The ocean's on the East Coast, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like sun. Like, I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I We'll see what happens. I used to think, like, the ultimate thing would be to be hired in a writer's room. Like, what Pat's doing, really. Like... Yeah. Um... But actually in a writer's room, not on Zoom. <laughs> not on Zoom. Um, well, if you listen to Seek Treatment, she, they did have one author on that ended up, her show became, it got picked up by Showtime. And she's Who was that? Lisa Tadio. Yes, that, And yes. she's writing a show. I listened to that episode. So Me too. Um, yeah. That is a thing that happens. It, yeah, no, it, it happens. It happened to Ryan O'Connell. Oh, it's yeah. just... Um, I'm embarrassed. Years yeah. ago, I was obsessed with Thought Catalog. I was living in Chicago and I wrote him like uh, yeah. an insane message once. Oh my God, did he respond? Yeah, but he, he was like, thanks so much. But I was like trying to meet him and he very... He set up boundaries in a great way. But I was like, I'm obsessed <laughs> with you and your writing means everything to me. <laughs> like, oh my God, obsessed. he's great. Thought Catalog was such a different time. I was just... <laughs> so that's so funny you say that. I got this piece of mail the other day. Like my old landlord was like, you have a piece of mail here. I was like, okay, that's weird. And she's like, it looks like a check. I'm like, okay. It was... $100 from Thought Catalog and I'm like I haven't written for you in 10 years but okay <laughs> it was so weird Just so I don't know what's going on over there like backup stuff or something I think it was I wrote like a shitty really shitty like 
20 page ebook for them back in like 2012 mm. and apparently I've never made money off of it until now 2022 and I made a hundred dollars it's humiliating did you watch so. the HBO show girls oh yeah come on that's what I think of when it I was think 2012, of e like oh yeah <laughs> you know sometimes I think sometimes I think about rewatching it and I'm like I can't do it yet. Like, I just... Oh, I've rewatched it. I've rewatched it a couple times. It is... How was it's that? It's so funny and good. I, it's so funny. We were just like... I mean, I have my own theories about it, and obviously Lena Dunham has proven to be annoying on, like, multiple moments in our sure. in our lives. Like, I'm not, like, out here being like, she's great. Maybe she should shut up sometimes. I don't know. But in terms of... I think my theory is like she was if she was more fuckable, quote unquote, there would not be all these issues. It, the people really had an Agreed. issue with her not hating herself and like wanting yeah. to fuck. And then when you rewatch it, you're like, this is a small human. Like, this is kind yeah. of crazy. Same with Amy Schumer. Like, if you go watch old yeah. Inside Amy Schumer, you're like, I can't believe this was like a body that was discussed in like a weird way but it's funny it's a satire but because it was all like nepotism kids or something it was like this is who they are and th they're promoting yeah. something but it's like it's a funny great show and I relate to it and it's about young people in New York and I hated the ending but like yeah I, the ending <laughs> the ending was weird the ending was weird um, but the show the show was brilliant yeah. like that's almost why I don't want to go back it's like that and six feet under like that's, that's that why one I want to be a foster I, parent it, six feet under <laughs> Wait, who's the foster well, parent? In that they show? adopt the two brothers, Michael C. Hall and his husband, the cop. Oh my god! They, like, I need to rewatch. I don't they even take remember two brothers that. In. I don't remember that. I love Michael C. Hall. I'm actually friends with his <laughs> his wife. Um, she's amazing. Her name's Morgan. She's a writer. Um, I just met her for lunch. They're they're awesome. They're moving to North Carolina. So for what? Other people. Other people that are leaving New York, he's from there. Oh, okay. Um, but, um... Yeah, I'm a Dexter fan. I actually saw him on Broadway multiple times and brought my Dexter replica badge. And when he signed it, he was like, I've never seen this. You're like a freak. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> he, see he seems like a cool guy. That's interesting. I have to rewatch now. I do remember, like, the step-parent aspect because, like, Brenda was a step-parent, right? To Nate's daughter. Yeah. And then... But then she wanted to have her own baby. And... I do remember that has always stuck with me. I mean, I love Brenda, like Brenda and yeah, Lena, Hannah Horvath, whatever. Like they were just such huge, like now everyone shits all over girls. They shit all over it then too. But like, that was some groundbreaking shit. We have to admit like 2012, that's like one of my favorite years in life for some reason. Like I was free, I was single, I was doing drugs. Like I had a book out, like girls was out. Like <laughs> I just loved that year. So that's, but then of course, like I said, I opened my journal and I'm like, I'm miserable and depressed 2012 and like want to kill myself. But, um, I don't know. I can't go back to it yet. I feel like it's going to make me feel old and sad. Um, I don't know if the magic will still be there for girls. I'm sure it will be. It seems like maybe I can do that when my husband's out of town. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing. No, it's a to fun rewatch and it's quick and it's half hour and it's funny. Yeah. I really don't think you're going to have despair or like oh I, it's wistful it's like, like I think so it'll much be fun. nostalgia I just have so much nostalgia I don't know as I'm getting older it's like the nostalgia really starts to creep in you know yeah but it's all it's back like, baby you know you can I'm dressing yeah. how I wanted to dress when I was younger it's like kind of a great time know, to be too. alive like 
I know. I, well, not that it's actually a terrible time, but like um, <laughs> in terms of fashion and what's trending <laughs> and little knickknacks and things to buy and do. Wait, you love cheese. a lot of good things to My buy. My birthday's Wednesday. I'm going to show you this early birthday present that I got that y'all Yes. Like. And what are you doing for your birthday? Oh my god, is that brie? Yeah, it's a brie cheese stuffed animal. Is that a walking brie? Yeah. That's <laughs> that's insanity, and I've never seen anything so like cute. it. <laughs> yeah. Who gave you that? Or you my buy it for friends yourself? that I'm staying with, um, that I'm overstaying <laughs> my welcome. I kind of wish you bought it for yourself. Um, I a brie with legs. Wow. So cute. Yeah, I loved that you make a list of cheeses. Cheese. I'm going to steal that game. It's a fun game. You should play it. I'm it's going very, to, because I'm a fun. list maker. I love making lists and top 10 lists, but I love the, the idea of a timed list and, like, category style, right? That if it's, like, I love categories. Thing, yeah. It's out. So, some review, like, shit all over my list, like, said that, like, my lists are, like, not fruitful or something, you know, whatever, and that they're, like... I should have gone deeper, but instead I did list and I was like, are you reading my list? My lists are good. My lists are funny. Like uh, never take my list away from me. I love them. I love lists great. too. I, um, I'll ask, this will be a good thought. Did you, you mention like a critic or someone saying something? You, have you been paying attention to the bodies, 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 New York times? Um, no, I only just, are you talking about the movie? Yeah, but then Lena something is like a critic, an arts critic at the Times. Uh -huh. Did you hear about this drama? It's pretty good. For the no, enemies, this no. will be good. So okay. basically she wrote in her review of that movie that it was a 95 minute advertisement for cleavage. She just said it was all about okay. boobs. So one of the okay. actresses in the movie DM'd her privately and wrote, well, if you weren't paying attention to my tits, maybe you would have realized it was a great movie. I'm paraphrasing. Nice. But like, nice. DM private, whatever. And this critic made a video, put it public, and was like talking about power dynamics. And it's like, how dare you do this? And it's like, it was private. Like, you're trying to get clout. But then right. her old videos were coming out. And it was basically like this TikTok that was like, how to become a professional writer. One, have talent. I'm just talented. I don't know what to tell you. Two, um, have an amazing point of view. But then what, what happens is her father works at the New York Times. Oh, she's like a longtime sports like editor guy. <laughs> so she basically has now gotten rid of TikTok, Twitter, Instagram has gone from the Internet and she's a laughing stock of the Internet. But I, oh, um, my God, that's so juicy. <laughs> I need to look that yeah. up. That's so the juicy. The video is so cringe. Just talking about how she's just an incredible writer and how the first thing she wrote was barely edited on the front cover of the art section. Like it's an ins it's pretty wild. Wow. Wow. You've got all the tea. You've I'm got on the Internet the a lot. But, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know about Rebel Wilson. Jesus, I'm living under a fucking rock. So I have a lot to look Wait, up. Wait, this might be a great end. So are there any people that have reviewed your book or written shit that you were like, what the fuck? That's not true. Or were there uh, some some like things, critiques that kind of stung because you're like, oh, that is true. like what are yeah, what feelings come up? Yeah, I mean, do you mean just specifically with the red zone? Oh, no, all the books, yeah, or article, oh. or whatever, yeah, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, I've, I've had some shit, like, I know my first book, like, Skit Let Astray, um, is my first book, my first review, and the woman, her name was Allison Hallett, and she wrote, I don't know if she still does, but she wrote reviews for the Portland Mercury, this was, and I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time, and she was known for writing mean reviews, so it's kind of, like, cool to get one, but she opened her review with saying, like, that she wanted to throw my book against the wall, and, like, how 
cool and edgy I thought I was because I didn't go to Starbucks or something. Like, it was pretty mean. But it was also, like, funny. Like, I'm always able to see the humor okay. in it, you know? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, of course you want to throw it against the wall. It's like a 26-year-old, like, talking about, like, I get it, you know? So that was one. But one that kind of was shitty recently for the Red Zone, a review came out, um, and the woman starts in by saying like how much she related to it because she has PMDD and like goes on and on and like quotes from the book and it so it seems like it's a really nice review and then at the end she's like says how terrible the book was and how other people should be writing menstrual memoirs because they would be better than mine than the one I wrote and I was kind of like so you think everyone should just take my idea but like do better with it I don't know it was a really really odd review and it definitely seemed like she was just trying to like be the person who's like controversial of like I don't like this book everyone else does but I don't you know so that was kind of shitty but I think where the really like interesting reviews actually live is Goodreads that's where you can really learn and what is that which Goodreads it is like for uh, it's just for readers who like keep track of what they read and they rate books like one star through five stars and they write little reviews and people get really 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 into it and like you can make you're like friends with people on goodreads and wow you know people follow each other's reviews it can be it's a nightmare for a writer but for me i'm like i actually do look at it because i'm like i I feel like it helps my writing like and I, i get you know, good reviews on it. Some are good, some are funny, some are really mean. Um, but I feel like I learn from the mean ones. And on Goodreads, it's like you can write anything, right? Because it's not being edited. It's not for a magazine. It's not like criticism. It's like you can just write one sentence of like boring, you know? And like even from that, I'm like, that's interesting to me, you know? So I, I think Goodreads is where I can actually find like the honest shit about my book. Um, so, so yeah. You, so, but, oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. Because how is that different you than, guys, like, YouTube comments? Because they're readers? I think because they're readers and they're really looking to, like, a lot of the reviews will be like, I really wanted to like this. You know, like, they're like, I'm a really big fan of all of her books, but, you know, this and that. Like, they're just... They're not like they're they're not posting under like fake names and stuff. It's like it's a li- it's a little more legit than YouTube comments. They're not there to be mean. Um, as some people, of course, are, but for the most part, it's just people who are really really passionate about books. So you can, yeah, you can learn a lot. Um, I have some definitely funny interviews over there. I think Ryan O'Connell recently on his Instagram live, like because he had a new book come out, he he did like this series or no just his insta story he did this series of like reading his goodreads reviews and they were hilarious um so that's a that's a fun place to poke around and i know i don't sound cool now because like there's so many people that are like oh i don't read my reviews but i feel like you can learn from them i don't know do you read criticism of your comedy ever no no because i don't think it's it's rarely in good faith yeah, comedy's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. Because, like, I yeah. have one... Ta- there's one YouTube I have on um, this TV show called This Is Not Happening, and it was okay. an, a storytelling show hosted by Ari Shafir, and I know my story was awesome. It was about being, like, arrested three mm-hmm. times within a year and a half, and, like, I was in the room. Like, I know how I did, and I liked my outfit. Everything was good, and then I got a message from someone going fuck all those people in the comments. I loved it. It was great. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't 
read the comments, so I wouldn't have known. Right? <laughs> yeah. But thanks. then I, br- yeah. I went up to Ari and I was like, so what's up with the comments? He goes, oh, yeah, people are ripping it apart. I go, but it's good. And he goes, no, I know. And it was this thing of like, it is objectively a good set. People are laughing. Yeah. It's a good story. So it's like, what do you actually hate so much about it? And I can't. I can't be bothered because it's also yeah. mostly insulting. Like if you're chatting and I do feministy things a lot and yeah. I just don't like on my Instagram, I have um, words that are not allowed. And so if anyone That's tries cool. to comment those words. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. You have to, you have to protect your, your energy and your, your stuff. Yeah. yeah. But if it just says like, oh, this is trash or this is war, it's like, okay, yeah, not ever, I'm not for everyone and that's fine. But when it's like, I don't know, I'm just, I just don't think it's well, in good faith. So, I really don't. They get so personal. Like I remember Catherine Cohen talking about that, about like when her Netflix special came out and like what people were leaving on YouTube and it's just like. People really do hate women, huh? Like, it's just like, if it's just not shit. for you and it's okay. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know, but I was recently talking to someone that works at Pornhub in marketing and like, um, with, all, and she works with the girls Interesting. and she was saying how, like, if they put something that's not for hetero men on the cover, like if it's like a trans situation or something outside the hetero, like super norm they get flooded with hate email like what the fuck like men even like the girl ghostbusters or whatever it's like or gamergate like they just can't handle things not (laughs) being for them if it's not for them it's an attack on them and so instead of seeing cat cone special be like i don't like musical stuff or this bra i don't get it that's fine but to uh, she's obviously great <laughs> so it's right. like right. i right. i don't know like i don't like cold play i'm i would never yeah. be like <laughs> fuck cold play. i don't care it's not for me i don't want it right like i just don't care about it we're not like passionate about hating it i'm not gonna like make it my personality to be like they fucking suck like and if you I'm didn't really go like give a my shit. netflix thing that makes sense but there was one time on twitter someone was like there's not even any jokes she's just trying to get her point across and it's like that's where i have to stop you because <laughs> there it's filled with jokes and what I love telling these dudes it's like any all of your heroes like me yeah all of them right they're friends with me bitch you know what I mean I'm like Bill Burr has complimented me after a set you know what I mean like yeah oh that's cool I've opened for Dave Attell I've sat at the table with like all the greats that you seem to like I've talked to them so it's this thing of like okay yeah I suck but I'm gonna go hang out with Bobby Kelly and you will never hang out with him (laughs) or like whatever it is like all your heroes are friends with me so you're that. wrong. That's a good book. That's a good book title. Yeah. <laughs> All your heroes are friends with you. You should put that, what you just said, like you should put that into a set. Cause that's actually really funny. I want to come. I want to see you live. Do you, are you going to have any New York shows? Well, I'm like at the cellar every night. I just headlined Caroline's this past weekend, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I love that. I'm always at the cellar. I'm actually doing for my birthday. I'm doing Kat Cohen's cabaret, Cab- Cabernet Cabaret. When? Tomorrow? On Wednesday on the 31st. Okay. I have some comps. Hmm. Honestly, if DM me if you want to come into the city. I, I might come I might come down. It's her first yeah. show back from like Greece oh, and she's gonna Edinburgh be there too. and everything. I okay. I didn't know if you meant you were filling in for her. You're both going to be there. She's I might hosting, come. Oh my yeah. god. So I'm excited. I'm sure she has some other friends on there that she missed, but I reached out to her. I was just like it's my birthday and I feel like I should just go up on your show. She's so sweet. Yeah, as we all know, she's a girl's girl. That's so fun. What a great way to have a birthday. You said you're turning 35. Yeah. That's fucking sick. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll drink somewhere. Last year I did a huge like art at art bar 
and I invited yes, a lot I love of that people. Place. I reserved space, and it was it was awesome. But I'm not really in the mood for that again this year. My aunt lives in the West Village, and I remember when I was like seven or eight going to the art bar with her, and I thought it was so cool because they had couches. Like, I had never been to a restaurant with couches. It's like, this place is amazing. They also have <laughs> cocktail weenies and like a cilantro martini. Like, I love it there. What's a, co- what's a cocktail weenie? It's like a little hot dog wrapped in um, like f- dough. You've never had a cocktail oh, that's weenie? Fun. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a classic like app. Like, yeah, baby hot dog with dough around it. Chris Rock. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I thought you meant like a hot dog, like dipped in like a cocktail no. or something, no. like like a like a hot dog soaked in tequila. I was like, well, mm-hmm. actually, something went viral last week. I don't know if you saw, but a man at a game um, hollowed not. out his hot dog and put it in his beer, and then was drinking it through like a straw, and the internet really was upset. Oh, they're upset. Well, okay, yeah, I someone like say. secretly recorded this guy at a game. Like he didn't know he was being watched. <laughs> like this is what he was doing on his own accord. Well, the level of things I have to Google now, <laughs> I feel I feel like you're like uh, teaching me about the internet right now. <laughs> no, and I'm got, you're my second author on this. I talked to Brian Moylan. I don't know if that's someone in your universe. Him. It's a little different. He does all the Vulture re, uh, Real Housewives recaps, gotcha. and he did an unauthorized like Housewives book, and he ghostwrites the books for the Housewives. Okay, that's pretty cool gig. Erica, yeah, so um, money, money, and maybe for others, but he so. You, I don't, I'm not really a reader, so I'm so grateful that I get to, like, I want to read the rest of them. Or listen. I don't think it counts. What do you think? Yeah, just listen. I, I think it counts. Um, I don't think it counts as reading. Yeah, why not? Really? It's still a book. It is. I'm getting it all in, but I don't, I'm sure I mean, you're missing something. Maybe. I've heard of writers, though, that write their book by speaking into their voice memo thing, too. That's a like, dream. Drive it driving in LA and just speaking out loud so does that count as writing a book you know what I mean so whatever whatever as right. long as you're as whatever as long as you're ingesting it I appreciate that you listened to it yeah I really loved it and I re- I also liked your bon appetit thing but I still don't want to oh, cook I know I know my oven's broken now which is nice because it's August and I don't want to cook anything I've just been eating cheese mostly that's all I want that's um, what I'll call this yeah. episode I still, like, I still can't cook. Like, I made it out like I can, but it's in that essay, kind of. But it's like, no. I can make, like, sheet pan dinners. It's hard. It's hard when you're single, too. You're like, what am I going to cook? It's like, Mm-mm. yes, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. What do you do? Get takeout? Yeah, I live a really unhealthy, bad lifestyle in every way. No, I like hard... <laughs> you mentioned the... I love hard-boiled eggs. Oh, they can take you so far. Yeah, I had I had two in my purse yesterday when I went to when I went to Loop where I work. I just brought those. Yeah, you can live off those. They're great. Yeah, I assemble English like I I can assemble. Mm-hmm. I'm an mm-hmm. assembler. Yeah. Or frozen Annie's yes. gluten free pad yes. thai. Oh, that's so good. I love pad thai. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate Yay. it. It was fun. Was I right? Did you love it? Um, So go read all the books, do all the stuff, do all the jazz. Can you guys tell I taped the outro and intro at the same time? And so it's like, you still know that I want to smoke a joint. Like you guys listen to the whole thing. Here, I'll spark it just for the finale and all the ASMR freaks out there in the world. It is a smaller one. So I hope I don't light this microphone on fire. That would be bad. 
that would be bad um did that sound good okay um <laughs> thank you for always listening to the podcast it's the fucking end okay deal with it enemies is a headgum podcast anya konevskaya is our supervising producer Ali Kahan is our associate producer. Rochelle Chen is our engineer, editor, and producer. And me, Lisa Traeger. I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You are incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram, at GlitterCheese and at Enemies Podcast. Rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com. But really, I'd love to hear your beautiful voices. So email us a voice memo or call in and leave a message at 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.